Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. And the skies opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, revealing him to be God's anointed one, the Christ, the Savior, the one promised, the one spoken of by the prophets. And the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of baptism, revealing them to be the waters of a new creation in Christ. As in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, he hovered over the waters of the old creation. And immediately after Jesus initiated baptism into his self, himself, a participation in his death and resurrection by his going down into the water and rising again, the Spirit drives him into the desert. Now the word in Greek for his having been driven into the desert actually means to be heaved. He was forcefully driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, there to combat with the enemy. And so it is with us. We who are the baptized of Christ, we who have partaken of his death and resurrection, we who have been washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus, in the waters of the new creation, we who have been anointed by the Spirit of God and marked as Christ's own forever, are driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, that is, into the world. There to live out our life in Christ in the midst of the wilderness, where we will be attacked by the enemy. Now, today is the feast of St. Gregory of Nyssa. <sighs> and the fans go wild. And I did try to find a quote this morning from my favorite early church father regarding this specific point. But I ran out of time. And so I will quote... Instead, John Paul II, who said, If we, the baptized, who are in the world, do not experience trial, tribulation, and persecution for the sake of the gospel, then we are certainly doing something wrong. 
Jesus is led into the wilderness. As Israel for 40 years was brought out of slavery and bondage in Egypt and brought through the waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness, so Jesus, who has come to deliver us from slavery to sin and bondage to death, calls us to follow him through the saving waters of holy baptism and into the world, into the wilderness. In the gospel it reads, Then Jesus, which means God saves, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so we shall be tempted by the enemy. If we fall, we are weakened in our walk with Christ. But if we endure, if we trust not in ourselves, but in Jesus, who has overcome the temptation of the enemy then we are strengthened in our walk in Christ. It's not about if we shall suffer for the kingdom, but when we shall suffer for the kingdom. And it's not about why are we suffering, but whether or not we will trust in ourselves or in Christ in the midst of those temptations. We will suffer for the kingdom. You have been marked as Christ's own forever. Therefore, you are marked people. Every once in a while, I'll jokingly do this with my, my girls. Well, that's what the enemy does to us. Don't think that you will escape. He knows that you are marked, and you are marked no longer with the mark of his kingdom, but with the mark of Christ Jesus. A priest pointed out to me a few years ago, and it made quite an impact upon me. He pointed out that many people come to him in confession or in, count for, in need of counseling, and they'll say, you know, Father, I, I struggle with food, or I struggle with cigarettes, or I struggle with pornography, or I struggle with impure thoughts, or I struggle with anger, or I struggle with prejudice, or whatever your particular struggle is. And I struggle with it. And the priest said to them, to, to this man, no, you don't. No, I do. I really do. I struggle with it. Every day it seems I'm, I'm gossiping, or every day it seems I'm tearing someone down, or every day I look in the mirror and I say, I hate myself. I'm really struggling with it. And the priest says, no, you're not. 
You're not struggling with it. You're giving in to it. And when that priest shared that story with me, I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. When certain temptations come along, certain ones that I have a particular weakness for, I'll kind of check. Do I feel strong enough to handle it? And if I do, I think, oh, that's great. But if I feel weak, I go, oh, no, I, I, oh, I don't have the strength. Jesus, help me. You know, as I head that direction. And I remember that how many times have I failed when tempted by the enemy, when tempted by the world or the flesh? How often have I failed to really struggle, to really call upon the Lord Jesus, to say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, come and help me. It's not going to be easy. Jesus says, you have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood. Heck, I don't even struggle to the point of really doing some earnest prayer. Rather, I give in and say, eat to fight another day. <laughs> or whatever the particular struggle is. That is, like Jesus, we must turn to the Word of God. We must focus on our relationship with our Father. Because we're not alone in the wilderness. The world is watching us. And if we are as weak as they are, then we are proclaiming to the world in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of a world that desperately needs him, in the midst of the world who has grown deaf to the power and authority of the word of God, we are proclaiming to all of them that Jesus Christ makes no difference. I am weak, but he is strong. Someone should write a hymn that says that. So then Jesus was led. He was thrown by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. This is both a look backwards to Israel being called out of bondage and slavery in Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness for 40 years. And it's a foreshadowing of the church that shall be called out of slavery and bondage to sin into the, in, of the kingdom of darkness through the waters of baptism and to live for Christ in the world. But there we shall encounter the enemy. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. Now, the devil must have been somewhat confused, according to the early church fathers at this point. He was able to read the signs better than most. He was pretty sure that this child, who had now grown into a man, upon whom he saw 
the heavens open and the Spirit descend was indeed the Son of God, the promised one. But he didn't understand that God would join himself to mankind and enter into our weaknesses. He could not understand how it is that this man could be hungry if he were truly the Son of God. And so he attempts to instill doubt in Jesus. He comes to him and he says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the Son of God. Now here again the words from the first lesson. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 and 6. Now the serpent, that is the devil, was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? See, the devil is very subtle. He doesn't come up to us and go, Turn away from Jesus, right? Even we would be smart enough to go, yeah, not doing that, right? Not doing that. No, he's very subtle. And he comes to instill doubt. Is the Bible truly the inspired word of God? Are you truly a new creation in Christ? Is life truly holy from the moment of conception? Is Jesus really present in that holy sacrament? Is it really more than bread? Are you really gathered now among the angels and archangels and all the holy company of heaven? Is Jesus really the final word in this world over sin and death? He comes to instill doubt as he did to the first man and his wife Eve, so he does to the new Adam, the new man, Jesus. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I don't know about you, but I love starch. I would have fallen like that. Bread, now that's a good idea. You see, the hunger of the belly is symbolic of our hunger and thirst for the things of the flesh. When we feel hunger, we are to eat for nourishment and to enjoy what we eat for nourishment, but it's for nourishment. But when we are very hungry, we immediately give ourselves over to those desires, and we become gluttons. How many of you have ever joined me in being so hungry that you finally get to the food and you say, I'm going to, oh, isn't this wonderful? God has blessed me with this food. I'm going to take just enough to enjoy it for nourishment. 
don't think I've ever heard myself say that. I say, oh, finally. And so the enemy is appealing to the weakness of the human flesh in Jesus, just as he appeals to us to embrace our weakness rather than our strength in the Lord. But Jesus, having taken on our human nature, has overcome this temptation. Therefore, we who are in him are able to resist the devil. If you are the Son of God. Jesus answers with the word, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is, we are to first hunger and thirst for the word of God. That's why we are called as a people to fast on Sundays, health permitting, before receiving Holy Communion. Or on the weekdays, a few hours beforehand. So that we remind ourselves that we are to hunger and thirst first for the Word, for Jesus, and then for the things that we need. It is a reminder that we are to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness before we seek for what we believe we are in need of. And so we fast. I have to say it was tough this morning. Christine's been uh, working again uh, very early, very late every day, and she got home very late last night, and I went to bed immediately, and I woke up this morning and saw that she, when I opened the, the, the fridge uh, to, to get some uh, water, um, I saw that there was pizza in there. You know, there's only one thing better than hot pizza on a Saturday night. It's cold pizza the next morning. I kind of looked around. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. The devil goes on. He takes Jesus to the holy city and sent him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, again attempting to instill doubt, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge over you and... On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. If you are truly the Son of God, then prove it. Fulfill the prophecies. Throw yourself down. But my friends, as St. John Chrysostom wrote, Jesus did not come into this world to throw himself down, but to be raised up. Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up, meaning upon the cross, I shall draw all men to myself. And then he would be raised up 
on the third day. He didn't come to be cast down under sin and death, but rather to be raised up on the cross to conquer sin and death and to be raised up in the resurrection to reign over sin and death forever. The devil often says to us, cast yourself down. Throw yourself down. Walk not in the integrity which is yours in Christ. Jesus says to him, again it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That is, we are not to put God to the test. We are to trust that he is with us in the midst of trials and tribulations, in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of death in this world, we are to believe in the midst of the darkness to trust that his light is shining. In the midst of despair to believe in his hope which is promised to us. In the midst of death to believe that he is the conqueror of death. We are not to tempt the Lord our God, but to believe in the Lord our God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Do you know what the devil is saying? He showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all the peoples of the world, not only in that time, but throughout all time. And says, I will give them to you. You want to save them? I will give them to you. You want to heal them of their infirmities? I will give them to you. You don't want to see your children die? I will give them to you. And you don't have to die. You don't have to be obedient to the Father. If you love them, I can give them to you now. And you won't have to face what is coming. You can have what you want without being obedient to the Father in heaven. There is an easier way. You can have your cake and eat it too. Take them. They're yours. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. How tempting that must be to know that we could fulfill God's will without being obedient to God's will. And then Jesus says to him, be gone, Satan. This is the first time in this whole conflict that Jesus clearly names him. He's saying to him, I know who you are. Be gone. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You shall not worship yourself. 
You shall not serve yourself. You will not worship the world. You will not serve the world. You will not worship the enemy. You will not serve the devil. You will not worship your own fleshly desires, nor serve them. You shall worship and serve the living God. My dear friends, we have entered into the holy season of Lent. We are in the wilderness. There's two things you must know. The enemy will attack you. He will attack us as a church family. Be certain, several weeks from now, he'll tempt you to say, if we get an influx of people, when we go to our new church home, who are these people? Where were they when we were, you know, really uh, walking the walk? They suddenly come in like they own the place and, and so forth and so on. There's just one example. The enemy will attack you. And know this too, the enemy tends to attack where you are weak. If I was getting into a fight with you, and I knew you had a very bad knee, where am I going to kick you? In your knee. No, it's okay. In your knee. Right? Right? So the enemy knows your weaknesses, and that's where he's going to attack. And if you think that the devil is just a myth, and it's not really true, and he's not out to get you, and that he's not out to, to take you away from your right, the right relationship you have with God and Jesus Christ, and to, uh, to lead you away from your integrity and worth and value in Jesus, you are deceived already. I remember one time uh, in the ordination process, I took a, a psychological exam, and it said questions like, do you believe there are persons in the room that you cannot see? <laughs> of course. Do you believe someone is always out to get you? Of course. <laughs> anyway, I went on and answered off, and I went in, and I knew the man who gave it to me, and he said, um, Michael? According to your score, you are really the most insane man I've ever known in my life. He says, I have a feeling you answered the questions theologically. And I said, of course. So the enemy is out to get you. But you have a God who loves you so much that he entered into the wilderness before you that he might confront the enemy in the flesh and overcome temptation. That trusting not in yourself, but in him, you too may overcome and share in his victory. Do not throw yourself down. You were not anointed as Christ's and marked as his own forever to be on your face. But to be lifted up and to be raised up and to be assigned to the world in the midst of the wilderness that Jesus Christ has come to save the world. This is our mission. This is what is entrusted to us. Let us walk in it. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.